Oh, I'm going to start recording. All right, everybody. My next guest is a comedian, writer, and a director who's been doing stand-up for over 20 years. He's written for a bunch of TV and films and has directed two feature films, My Man is a Loser and a Stand-Up Guy. He also just released his new comedy special called Who the F is Mike Young? And here he is now, folks, single Mike himself, Mike Young. Mike, how you doing, man? Don, thanks for having me, bro. Yeah. It's, it's beyond a crazy time, and uh, I'm just happy to be having communication with another human being. I don't care if it's computer, Zoom, <laughs> whatever it is, bro. I feel like I'm hugging you. Yeah, I hear you, man. The same here, dude. I mean, are, are you in L.A. Or, or where are you now? Detroit? Right now, I'm in Detroit right now. And uh, I live in L.A., but May 5th, I got in my car and drove across the country. And I just kept going. And I went <laughs> to Detroit, where my family's from. I got to my mom's house. We have a place in northern Michigan. Nice. I went zoned out. And fortunately, I'm going to do a, I got lucky and I'm going to do another film. And the film is actually shooting in Detroit in May. So uh, very April cool. or May. So it all worked. I'm not going back to L.A. for a little while. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You need I a mean, place, bro. I got a place to crash out there. You can have. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I don't blame you, man, because. Uh, but L.A. and New York are kind of similar in, in the way it's been being handled with the COVID and the, the lockdowns and the shutdowns and, and all that. It seems like a lot of people fleeing these days, the cities, most big cities. Yeah, people are fleeing. And I, it's funny because I'm in L.A. for business. I didn't I never was like in love with Los Angeles anyway. Right, I'm not right. like a beach guy. I grew up outside Detroit whatever. I'm not like a sun God. I'm not a beach. Guy. I don't surf. I don't love sharks. You know, I'm like a city dude. So LA for me was always where I needed to just make my connections, relationships, you know, work on my craft of comedy as much as I could while I was there. But once you start hitting the road, you go, wait a minute, I could live anywhere. You could really live anywhere as a, especially as a comedian. Right. Yeah. So, Cause you're always traveling anyway. Always travel. And That's now with the COVID thing, that's one of the, you know, if you look at advantages, it's one of them was now you could be basically communicate with people and do business all over the world through this. I mean, I don't know if you were using Zoom or, or this type of stuff prior to the COVID, but I never heard of Zoom. Till yeah, man. <laughs> I, never heard of Zoom. I started as soon as this thing hit, I started doing my own Zoom rooms like because I was losing it early. You know what I mean? Like when you're used to going on the road Thursday to Sunday every week for 15 years and then it goes cold overnight you just get locked out done my mind was playing tricks on me i was starting to talk to puppets i was <laughs> i was throwing facebook comedy nights like i had to talk bro i had to talk yeah man yeah because you're like a, a, a creative juggernaut man you do it all uh creatively um you're writing dude like just you know watching this special who the f is mike young it's like, um, you know, the stand up is the way you craft jokes. It's it's like um, it's words. It's, uh, you know, craftsmanship similar to like like Seinfeld style, where I feel like you really put your time into developing the joke. I appreciate you saying that, man. Uh, I do take time. You know, I'm not one of these guys who can just be the funniest guy in the room and then like just do a podcast. And then I develop my stand up off of a podcast conversation. I take writing very seriously. 
And I'm always at the table, just like looking for the best word to craft it. And I, I take that, you know, I've heard Seinfeld talk about that a lot. And I do look at him as sort of a mentor. He's not my mentor because we don't know each other that well. Right. But I look at him as an example of somebody who takes the writing seriously. And that's kind of, you know, what got me through stand up as a writer and then into film and television was people started to recognize, oh, this guy's writing is he's kind of got his own style and it definitely takes time. It takes time, but I am one of those strange dudes who will sit at the table and like, make sure this word's better than that word. And like cut out, you got to find a rhythm, a musicality. To right. It. Right. I appreciate you saying that, man. Cause I do take it seriously. And it's like my favorite thing about it is the writing and then putting it on stage. So Nice. Yeah, that comes through, man, because like you said, uh, like you said, the, the finding the right word and the and the right thing and all that stuff. You, it's, it's the, the word I was looking for before was like a wordsmith. And, and that's kind of what what I see in, in your stuff. And it comes through in, in everything you do, too. Like, um, you know, when I was I was watching a stand up guy and you could definitely see a lot of the wordplay in there. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 that was a great movie, too, by the way. Thank you, man. Um, yeah, everybody should see that. It's it's streaming. I don't know if you know, it's streaming right now on YouTube, uh, so people could just watch it. I don't know if you get kickbacks on that. Or not, yeah, well, but... no, I, I know it's on Amazon Prime right now. Yeah, it was on Netflix for two years, but if somebody stole it and put it on YouTube, I don't care. It's a YouTube movie, so it's it's legal, I guess. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. The producers do their thing. Right, like, right. <laughs> They're making money six different ways, but they'll call me and say, yeah, there's no money being made. It's over. <laughs> I have no idea. Right, right. So, um, I just do my thing and, and hope for the best. But yeah, it's a stand-up guy had a lot of, that's my style, man. I just, that's my style. You know, if you're, people are going to dig it or they're not, but I'm trying to just have my own voice. I, I liked it. I thought it was really good. And, and I was watching it, you know, because, um, I knew I was going to be talking to you, so I was kind of like really watching it and to see, how, you know, because I know you wrote it and directed it and everything. Yeah. And I, I think it was it, it, excellent, man. I, I loved it. Yeah, I think it was great. And then to find out that there's, and you got to tell us this story if you can, whatever you can, that there's some, a little, what, what inspired this movie? What inspired you to write this movie is, is kind of crazy. Yeah, so I can, I can tell you, hold on. Ma, please don't come in here right now. I love you. That's my mom. She, I don't want her to hear that. Yeah. So, you know, being from Detroit, you know, I'm not like, hold on one sec. Let me shut this down. Never know when the FBI is listening. <laughs> being from Detroit, like you're, you're, we're talking, you're in Jersey right now. I've been around the underworld a little bit in my life. My dad was in the scrap metal business. I know what it is that, I know what that world looks like. I'm not a part of it, I'm, I'm in comedy. But what inspired that movie was an incident that happened to me years ago. I was in a comedy club and I got into an altercation with somebody in the audience after there was already a fight in the audience. We got into a heated exchange. He came at me, we went toe to toe. I got the best of him, not knowing anything other than my dumb Detroit brain said, this guy seems serious. You should hit him first. And I did. And it was a very bad mistake. And so it turned out that he was a connected guy and it went bad. And I ran out of that place after I had heard like what I had done. I hurt a guy that was a bad guy. 
to make a craziest, crazy long story short, about five days later, they sent their people to find me. They got me. They said, we're going to, you're going to have a sit down. We're going to have a sit down. <laughs> I basically was convinced that it was going to be a sit down. I knew people that knew him. I asked that they go speak to him up front and say, you know, we put, I basically begged for my life. And not only did I do that as a comedian, you know, the comedian brain never goes off. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I was sending gifts every day. I was sending gifts. I was sending flowers. Bro, I went to University of Arizona. I was sending U of A hoodies to his house, like just to give him some clothing. I was just saying, dude, I didn't know who you were. I'm so sorry. And basically, when I when they sat me down, I, I've told this story on Burt Kreischer's podcast one time, so I can definitely say it. It's out there. You know, right. it didn't go well. So what was supposed to be a, an apology in a public restaurant turned into a sit down, beat down in a private place that was closed. And they basically did what they had to do to me. And, you know, when it's when it's all over, you know, it's, it's weird even talking about it because it's a traumatic event. Yeah, man. I'm totally straight with you. It's like post-traumatic stress disorder is a very real thing. Yeah. And I've definitely suffered for a long time from it. And the only way I can get through my own stuff is through writing and performing and just writing. And so there was always this thought when it, after it went down, it was so heavy that different factions in the underworld were like notified, no joke. And so I'm sitting here thinking to myself, if my people who love me go at him, it's just gonna be a perpetual, terrible war. Like it's just gonna keep going. So right. my second thought was, if I did do that, if I went the bad way, and I had to go into the witness protection program, <laughs> would I ever have to just not be funny anymore? So that was an idea. That was a seed of an idea. And it just kind of kept going. It, it kept in my head, like, I just kept saying to myself, if I ever had to just disappear, would you just turn your personality off? Or am I going to be doing local open mics? <laughs> and so that's where the idea for a stand-up guy came was that, you know, unfortunately what happened to me was bad. I was put in the hospital. I got a lot of stitches, you know, organized crime divisions were showing up to my house. It kept going and going. I basically shut my mouth. I never said a word to any authority. I just shut up and let it go. I forgave him. He forgave me. It was even, I should never have done what I did. I shouldn't have hit him. I, you know, you know, when you get into something, there's one second where you can breathe and like step back, or you can think I'm in trouble and you attack. And I right. just thought maybe I was in trouble and I took, I made the wrong move. It, yeah. It was that uh, fight or flight moment. Like you said, you're a Detroit guy, you know, and, and for me, I'm, I'm Long Island, not Jersey, but same thing. It's the same thing, but yeah. And so I, try to put myself in that situation too. If I just got on stage, some guys heckling me, this beef erupting, energy's high, this guy's in my face, boom, you're gonna do what you gotta do. That's exactly, and my, and my thought right before I did hit him was this dude seems like he could bite my face off. Like he had that type of energy. Right. <laughs> and instead of letting him bite my nose off, I punched him, I boxed my whole life as a kid. I knew how to throw a punch, it went bad. They got me and it was like, they got me really, really good. Damn. And without going into detail, I was basically put in a position where I had no choice, you know? And so, I decided to write a movie 
based on the idea that what if I went to the, what if I went to witness protection? And so I wrote a comedy and I was like, let me just get this off my chest because I'm having all kinds of post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm afraid to go into public places. I'm scared to like be in a crowded area. If any dude that looks shady is like around me for a long time, I was like, I was getting aggressive. I was like, who's this? Right, yeah. I was making calls to dangerous friends. I had like a lot was happening. So I said, let me just, I got to write about this. And so I thought it was a really good idea. And then when the producers, the producers of that movie, they were at my premiere for My Man is a Loser, which is my first movie. Afterwards, they came to me, they said, Mike, we want to do a comedy with you. And we got an idea. And they had this idea that it didn't even resonate with me. I just had my, I had a stand-up guy in my head. Right. So when, when they said, we want you to do this other movie, I said, just hear me out. I said, I think I have the best idea for you. And I, I pitched them that idea and that was it. They signed on to it. They let me write it and direct it. And I got to make a comedy and get a lot of stress off my chest. Yeah. I mean, you, you end up making a, a great film that came from a real traumatic thing and, and probably helped you cathartically kind of get through it and, and uh, you know, get through that, that post, you know, that kind of crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. But like, I, I don't want to dwell too much because I don't, I, I don't want to bring back too many of these memories to you. But like when you're in there, does it feel like you're in a, like in a movie? Like did they sit you in a chair and all be surround you? You're in a straight up movie. And I'm not even kidding. There's probably gonna be three movies that come out of this whole situation because I was not only was I in a movie and not only was everything moving in slow motion, but I was telling jokes in my head because when I walked in, there was two giant dudes with guns and they had hats and sunglasses on and they were like in the dark and there was like a newspaper on the table. And I remember thinking to myself, you can't read in the dark. Like, what are you doing? bro? <laughs> I'm thinking like, this is like acting is going on in here. I'm like, and, and then I'm like, you're holding the gun so loosely. I'm like, I could probably grab that if I wanted. So you're like playing out every, you're so hyper aware because, you know, you don't know that the adrenaline is, is raising up. You're just, you're not, you don't know how the body and the mind work like that. Right, yeah. Adrenaline was so up and my mind was so keen that I was really thinking about pulling off some superhero shit where I was going to swoop the gun, get everybody in the room and exit. Like that, that was where my head was at. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, it is like a movie and you just go into survival mode, especially when you get put in a place where you can't do anything or else you're done. Yeah. So they put me in a real compromising spot. And when they were done with me, I started like, I basically was like feeling my limbs. And I remember in my mind thinking like, I got them. I'm thinking they think they got me, but I'm not even hurt. That's what I'm thinking. Right. <laughs> I'm numb, but you don't even know that like, I'm thinking in my mind, oh, I got him. I'm going to pretend that I'm hurt, but I'm feeling my limbs. I'm not shot. Nothing's broken. Of course, my whole face was broken and I had, you know, 27 stitches and broken nose. And oh, I, was, I was a disaster and they did get me very badly. But at the time I'm living in a movie in my head and I'm just in, in survival mode. And I'm just thinking, you know, and then you're when it was over you're still apologizing like I was still apologizing the whole time like I when I walked in I apologized because I saw him 
I saw the person right away. So I was apologizing right when I saw him, like, I didn't know who you were. I'm so sorry. And he's like, don't worry about it. Come over here. And then I go over there into the different area. And that's where like the gorillas were. And, And then, you know, then I was thinking, you know, I got no options. No one's close enough for me to like do any Kung Fu, (laughs) which I don't know. And you just have to, bro, I just accepted it and I just took it and I never said a word about names or cities or anything like that. I kept it as a, you know, it's a scar on me for sure, but I'm, I've gotten through it. I've, you know, I saw a psychiatrist because my brother was like, you're, my brother was like, yo, you're acting weird. You're like, you know, you're different now. Yeah, you're scared. Yeah. You're like acting depressed all the time. You're not really up. And it, it puts a light out in you. But you know what? You got to come through things like that. Not like that. Probably, I'd say, you know, 98% of the world does not ever have to go through that. But something that heavy, you got to figure out a way to get through it. So I got through it with a lot of support from my friends. I saw how many people love me, like were willing to go to war with me and like for me. Right. Yeah. And I didn't want to go that route either. And I didn't know how, I mean, the one thing I should have probably used in a stand-up guy that I didn't put in, it's almost like if Woody Allen became a crime boss, because I was getting so many people coming at me who like had seen my shows and were like, Mike, we love you. You're so funny. What can we do for you? And all of a sudden I'm like climbing the ranks of the underworld. Right. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm a Jew from Detroit who just, you know, I was bar mitzvah. I don't want to wield this power. But thank you everybody. Thank you all so much. I'm just going to go back to the stage and eventually get back to my life. So yeah. It was How- heavy, bro. And you know, Dude. you're Long Island. So I already know without you having to say that you already know what this is, you know, you know yeah. what this and it could, what it could be. Yeah, man. And, and it's, it's real stuff. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, but what you did, I, I, how long did it take you to get back into stand up and get back on your feet in that regard? Like as far as you know, performing again, it took me about five months I'm sorry about that sound. Someone's drilling in the basement. Oh, I don't even, I don't even hear it on here. So. Okay, good. Um, it took me about five months to get, first of all, it took me about five months to heal. I look like the elephant man. So, you know, one of my oh. friends, a very famous actor, and he got me like this stuntman cream. And he's like, put this on, bro, and your whole face is going to go down. So I started wearing like stuntman cream, and my face was like, every day was like, whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> so five months it took to heal up so I could go in public like normal. And then it wasn't until about, yeah, six months later that I went on the road. And I was actually on the road with Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan took me on the road. I was opening for him for a year. Wow. And I remember at that time, I didn't really want to share what happened but I did tell Joe and he was just then like getting heavy in with, he was so in with the UFC guys. Oh yeah. And I had like a hundred gorilla monsters. <laughs> like, we love this kind of stuff. Where is he? You know, <laughs> I basically just, you know, threw my hands up at the whole situation, but it took about five, six months to go back on stage and feel comfortable. And then I never talked about it on stage other than like, I attempted a few jokes about it, but I wasn't like emotionally there yet because I know the guy and his people are still kind of around the They didn't like go anywhere. Right. Yeah. I, I probably could put a call into him and say, listen, bro, I'm never going to say your name, but I am going to do a bit because my bit was going to be like something like, like organized crime. I got to be honest. 
they're organized. Like they are very organized. Like I went in and like eight minutes later, 18 things happened and I walked out. Like they did, they're so efficient with their time. (laughs) It's like, they got a whole, I'm like, who does your schedule? So that was like where my head was at. That's a great premise from it, man. Yeah. So like there will come a time where I'll do it because we are definitely, I'm good. He knows I'm good and I know he's good. And like, I'll never, there's nothing. They tried to get me so many times. Like, like I was visited by the authorities many, many times because they were looking to get this, these guys, they were just looking at, to get them. They tried to use me to get them. I just never flipped. I never did it. Never said it. And I Smart. Wouldn't. Yeah, I think you, you think you did the right thing. Yeah, uh, I I think you did everything correctly. You know, um, even you know, find the positive in there and and oh. put your creative energy into it, and you ended up making you know a great movie. They got you through it, and then uh, you know, um, it's traumatic, man. <laughs> Yo, bro, I had to buy books. Like, I was buying books, like, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, The Art of Forgiveness. Like, I had to, like, forgive in my head so many times because you go back and forth with stuff like that. You're like, you want revenge. And I know people who would have grown up, who grew up crazier than me, and you know these people too, they would not have forgived. They would not be doing the same thing I did. They would have gone into a full-scale war, and it would have just been negativity on negativity, and I just knew that I made a mistake myself by, by engaging and I could forgive. So I have to live like that, bro. Otherwise, you know, it, my it life just got exponentially better after, after it, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah, because did you already have the first movie under your belt by this point? Or? No, no. This happened and a year later, I sold a TV show to ABC I saw, uh, I got my first movie, uh, you know, wrote and directed My Man is a Loser. Right off that came a stand-up guy. And it's, you know, Kevin Connolly, who you know from Entourage, and he's- Long like, Island guy, yeah. He's from Patchogue, right uh, near, nearby where I am. Yeah, Connolly's a good friend. He directed, um, he directed part of the narrative part of my stand-up. And so he always says to me, he's like, yo, Young, there's just certain moments in your life that are just pivotal and- they're just game changer moments. And that was a game changer moment for you. And it did, it put me on a different path. And, you know, luckily I've been fortunate enough to make movies and do stand up. you know, for, you know, a year after that, I've been nonstop. <clears throat> and it, it's an interesting thing because I started in stand up, but when you do a movie, it takes a year out of your life where you're not doing stand up. Even when you tell yourself like you're going to get on stage, I didn't have the energy to get on stage. So it kind of like stutter stepped my stand up for a sec where all my boys were still going, you know, like I was on tour with Sebastian, Saget, you know, big right. names. I yeah. was, kind of, I was like on a nice trajectory with stand up. And then the movies, they take your energy and rightfully so, cause you got to dedicate your energy to them. But I did not have the energy to go on stage after like being on set. I said I would, but I didn't. Yeah, it's got to be tough to, uh, to juggle that. Yeah, because um, w- with the movie, how involved are you in post? Do you, do you, uh, are you there in the editing room too? Yeah, editing. So you have six, I had six weeks of post. So I'm in the room every day. Like my editor will do an assembly. He gets like his two weeks and then he'll say, okay, come on in and look at the movie. And then I'll look at the movie with him and I'll have four weeks after that to sit with him and just, you know, fine tune the editing to my liking. 
And then the producers, the money guys, they can always go, okay, Mike, now you're out. And that happens too. And every director will tell you that no matter how, except for Scorsese, who has last, you know, final cut, maybe a couple guys. Right. But it's, uh, you know, you do, you just do your best. You deliver the movie and you hope that the guys that paid for it are just as happy as you are. And sometimes they are. And then sometimes they want to change things. And that's, that's happened in, you know, both my movies, things get changed. And, you know, that's just that you got to just accept your role and do, I just, my whole mentality is like, kill it and just say at the end, okay, you told them that this is what you love. And if they want to change it, go ahead. But you did your best and you, you moved on because otherwise I hold on to things. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I'm so nuts that like, if you try to change a word that I wrote that I think is like my word, right? Yeah. We got to have a, an, an hour battle over a word and that's not healthy. So I'm yeah. just like, I'm going to do my best and here it is. Here's the movie. And I hope you like it. You know? Right. I'm like that too, with some stuff. Like if I say to somebody like, you know, um, hey, if you don't mind, can you just change that one thing? And then they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you see the final product, and they never changed it. That will that will live with me forever. I can oh. be like, you mother. <laughs> like, yo, it's it's like Bill Burr has that bit about like he saw like a woman across the street, a lesbian coming at him, and he knew it was going to be a problem, and she rolled right up on him and she elbowed him in the street, and he spent <laughs> like two weeks he couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> He's driving back around the area. He's trying to find her. <laughs> That's like, it's such an unhealthy quality, but I think a lot of artists, you know, people like us just have it. Yeah, we have. Exactly. <laughs> now, you're, you're, uh, so were you doing uh, comedy in Detroit before LA or did everything happen for you in, in LA? Because I think your story is pretty unique in that sense too, you, how you, you come up. Yeah, my come up was was at the comedy store. I never did stand up comedy until a Sunday open mic at the at the comedy store on Sunset. I dreamed about comedy. I was always a creative writer in college. I would go to every stand up show in college and like watch friends do shows. And I even like remember seeing one of my friends open for like Barry Sobel in college. Oh, yeah. And I was just sitting back thinking like, I know I'm gonna get my shot. I just have to wait till I'm ready to go on stage. And so it wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles that I started waiting in line on Sundays at the world famous comedy store, doing three minutes a night, going to every single open mic you can imagine. And my crew was like Sebastian, uh, Butch Bradley, Tony Rock, Brett Ernst, uh, Bobby Lee. Like those were that Damn, was, yeah. that was my class, you know? Cool. And I remember, yeah, and I, I just, we just did every basement of a Ramada Inn, the worst places you can imagine, every coffee shop. So yeah, my, my whole thing started in LA, not Detroit. Yeah, man. And then you, you got on, um, and this is the best way to network, I guess. You, you ended up getting on like a basketball team with like so, yeah. some uh, elite uh, talent to explain that one <laughs> and how that happened. Because I'm, I'm now going to start playing basketball to see if I you have to. Every great high level relationship I've made in Hollywood is from my basketball team or my hockey team. So if you're not a two sport athlete, you're not going to make it in Hollywood. You got to be a two sport athlete. So I was doing my open mics and I was getting kind of 
I was moving along a pretty good pace and I started getting like my buddy worked at the newsstand. He grew up in Hollywood and he used to come to my shows at the comedy store. He grew up with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire and all these guys in Hollywood. They were child actors and they all came up together and they had a basketball team. And I came out of Detroit area and I could play ball. And so just matter of fact that he's like, yo, young, you know, you want to play ball at the YMCA next week. We need a fifth. He didn't tell me anything about who was there. And to be totally honest, I wasn't like following actors and I wasn't like, like Leo was just maybe doing Titanic at the time. And I knew who he was, but I was not like a big Titanic guy. So I went to the basketball YMCA. Our team was Leonardo DiCaprio, Tobey Maguire, Kevin Connolly, Nick Cassavetes, the director, and my boy Chuck, who worked at the newsstand. Meanwhile, now he's a huge producer and he manages Jamie Foxx. So, like, Damn. this was our team. I was, if they see this, they're going to be like, you're not the best on the team, but I was definitely one of the best on the team. <laughs> so they kept me around. And I was just, they kept me around. And then we all just, like, started playing ball outdoors at Leo's, had a full court. Then we started playing ball at like Mark Wahlberg's. And so I was in this world of like entertainment dudes who were big time. And I was just like an open mic comedian. <laughs> never, by the way, never telling anyone at the comedy store where I was going. So I would do a set. I'd get off stage. I'd go to the corner and they had no clue. But like Leo and his crew, God, they would pick me up in a Prius and we would go clubbing. So I was living in two worlds, bro. Wow. I was living in two fully different worlds. Damn. Yeah. Cause so you're there just like you said, like a, a guy from Detroit, Dude from all Detroit. of a sudden playing ball with Leo and Toby and, and all these, uh, you know, A-list actors. Totally. And, and, you know, listen, was it normal? No. Was I a little enamored? Yeah. Was I calling my boys in Detroit going, you are not going to be <laughs> bro. I'm like, yo, I swear to God, bro. I'm up here at this house and there's like 11 Brazilian supermodels. Nobody speaks English. I can't even believe what's going on. I'm getting on a private plane. So I was super fortunate to fall into a group of dudes that are like awesome artists, take their craft seriously. And they were just like about it. And so, you know, they just, I think they respected me just as a person who like, no matter what, every night I was doing comedy. So I would never meet up with them or go out with anybody till I was done with my show. And then right. I would be in another world. And That's... it was crazy, bro. It was, you know, I was single for 10 years and I, I blame it on Leo. Like, just <laughs> straight up, I, like I did, I haven't, I wrote a little bit, a bit, I wrote a bit about it. I never did it, even though I did check with him to see if it's cool if I do it. And he said it was cool. I just have to figure out a way to do a bit like that. That doesn't sound like I'm like name dropping. Right. Yeah. I don't yeah. Want to be that guy, but it's also like, I was lucky enough to be invited into a world that I just didn't know anything about. Like I was just happy to be there. It's Yo, like I'm you were walking, living I'm in the... with you right now. So you cool with that? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Like, it, yeah. I was going to say it was, it was like you were living in the entourage show <laughs> and I, yeah. Living in it, literally living in it. And God, I actually had an office at that, at that, at, at Entourage. So that's my nephew back there. That's Ian. Hey, Ian. Uh, how you doing? That's Cameron. Hey, how you doing, Cameron? They're in, they're in the new version of college. I just had to get my plug, bro. I see my computer's low on uh, the Cool. Screen. 
<laughs> um, it's all good, we, man. Yeah, we were living the real life entourage, like real life. You know? Cause I, yeah, because Leo produced that, didn't he? Entourage. No, no, Wahlberg did. Oh, Wahlberg. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Wahlberg was the executive producer of Entourage, and he and my good friend Doug Ellen, who I also met from basketball, he was the creator of that show. And Doug's a Long Island guy. Oh yeah. Yeah, Doug Ellen's Long Doug. Island all day. Nice. Yeah. That's one thing about us Long Island guys, just like Detroit guys. We're, we're, we're proud of where we're from. So they probably strong Island <laughs> chest pounding going on with him and Connolly, I guess. Oh, big time. I knew Connolly before he went on entourage and Doug was like, I need to meet this Kevin Connolly. I hear he's like an Irish pit bull. I'm looking for this guy. And I, and I knew Connolly cause we were playing basketball together. We were friends. I was like, you gotta meet this guy, Doug. He's doing a new show. And he's like, I'm not auditioning, bro. I'm retiring. <laughs> he's like, I'm only directing. Cut to one audition later. He was the star of Entourage. So it was a good crew, man. And, you know, I think you never know how people are going to, like, take my journey. Because I remember some comedians were, like, hating on me. Because I remember, like, meeting with a big comedian one time at lunch. He wanted me to write something for him. And he's like, yeah, bro. Like, I know you're just, like, Leo's boy. And I was like, I kind of took offense to that. Yeah. Like, like, I didn't work my ass off every single night to get where I'm going, you know? Right. So, needless to say, I ended up not writing a show for that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I think you definitely have the work ethic. And like I said before, you're a true craftsman at, at uh, writing and stuff like that. But I, I do think networking is also clutch. And, and you, I mean, when you fall into it like that, you got to take advantage of who wouldn't. There's not a person in the world if, man, if I walk, so this is your team and there's Leo. <laughs> oh, by the way, I always dream like, because every one of those dudes is crazy talented, right? Like Leo's the sickest actor in the world. Conley's a great actor and director. You know, Lucas Haas was in there. He's a great musician and an actor. And I used to just look at these guys going like, why don't we just start our own studio? Like, yeah, exactly. But I ended up, you know, to I ended up doing a couple TV shows that I developed with Toby McGuire, who was a friend. And he came to me basically, he was like, yo, Mike, I love your writing and I, I dig your comedy. He's like, I think you got a sitcom in you. So we, we developed a show, we sold it to ABC and he and I did that twice. We developed two shows together. We sold them both. We didn't make the shows, um, but we had, you know, two great deals and I got a chance to just work and develop. Yeah. With my buddy. So I was fortunate, man. That's really cool, man. That's really uh, so. Um, what can you tell us about this next movie you got cooking? Uh, can you tell us what it's about, a synopsis or anything? Or yeah, I could give you. So obviously, I'm in like the edgy world. Like I like to play in like the edgy comedy world. My next movie is called Stealing Jokes, and it's about three road dogs, like three road comics, and they go on the road and things go awry, and they start robbing venues, and so it's like a <laughs> crime heist. It's like a heist comedy. So it's and comedians, ha like hacky comedians robbing the clubs? They're robbing clubs. They're not hacky comedians, though. They got potential. One's like the up-and-comer. One is like a good guy who should have made it. And one is like a local Detroit legend. And Dude. So, yeah. And so that came from a moment. Listen, man, I've been lucky to open for some of the best. You know, I've worked with Saget. I've opened for Chappelle. I've opened for Attell. Like, I've seen the best in the game. Yeah, so, man. And so I remember I was opening for Chappelle a couple of few years ago 
And I started doing the math in the room and I started counting the heads. And my manager at the time was like, you want to open for Chappelle? They'll give you like 500 bucks. And I'm thinking in my mind, Chappelle's got to be getting 75,000. <laughs> like literally easily, if not a hundred thousand, I'm getting 500 bucks. <laughs> in my Detroit brain, I'm like, there's got to be a safe with at least 200,000 cash in this building. <laughs> and once again, you know, I just, that was the seed for what I thought. And it's really just a, it's really, it's a, it's commentary on the underdog story and the fact that comedy doesn't get appreciated the way it should be. And comedians are just always underdogs. And so it's just my commentary on like a revenge tale, like F you, we do God's work. You know, we don't get paid all the time for doing what we think is like an important thing in the world. And now we're going to get our revenge. So that's kind of where that came from. Dude, I love the premise, man. And um, do you have anybody cast for this yet? I, I, I'm, I talking, know you, yeah. I'm talking to some actors. I don't want to say who, I don't want to say that yet because no one's signed on the dotted line. Right. And I'm talking to like three great comics who can also act, you know? So I want to pepper it with some cool cameos of like high level comedians where they just do interstitials where they kind of tell their story of being robbed by a comedy club owner. Oh yeah. yeah. Just kind of use it as like a oomph. Um, but nobody's, no one's cast yet, but I am in, we're, we're in talks as they say, in the bit. we're in talks. <laughs> no, in, that's, that's cool. Uh, do you have a title for it already as well? Or? Yeah. It's called stealing jokes, stealing jokes. Uh, this is great, that, dude. That could change, but like, that's what it's called. Right. Yeah. I, I love that you're doing these these films, especially that uh, about the stand-ups, about you know the comedy world, the universe a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, I think that's that's friggin' awesome, man. Um, yeah, thank you. And I'll, I'll probably like after this one, I'll get out of that. I got a couple more, with, you know. Like, listen, by no means am I Woody Allen. All right, he's like my, I love Woody Allen, but like you'll see like six of his movies got stand-up comedy in it at some point, and. Everyone's like, write something different. Or Let me get this off my chest first. And then I'll go into like, I've gotten a couple other movies that are not in the stand-up world at all. So let me just get these off my chest first. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm a fan. And, and this one sounds great to me. Um, everyone's got to see the, your, your comedy special too. Who the F is, is Mike Young. It, it's great. Because it's, it is kind of like a blend of the stand-up, your, your typical kind of, traditional stand-up special but then it's got like uh, like a kind of a, a theme going on it feels like entourage kind of a vibe you're trying to make a deal and yeah. and uh, and all that stuff um yeah. thank you well, yeah what inspired you to merge it i don't think it's ever been done you know I, I always had this idea like could i do a bit and somehow show where the bit came from or just that was like the thought like life gives you bits right so I thought I got enough material that's about real life. And I, I shot that. I shot the stand up at the Beacon Theater. I opened for Sebastian. Oh, and nice. so they were kind enough to give me my own footage. So they basically shot my special <laughs> for, for, for off of his tail. Like I tailed off Sebastian. <laughs> and so I got the footage. And then I said, all this stuff came from real life. I'm going to write a script, like a short that's based on all these bits. And so when you see me doing a bit about criminal friends, you see in the narrative, I got a shady, you know, I got the shady uh, the maintenance guy. Right, right. So I wanted to just show like, 
you know, life creates the bit, then we go back into life and you get the bit from life. So I kind of wanted to just weave in what I thought could be like an organic, you know, narrative story within my standup. Yeah, I did like that. I like there's moments when you're literally writing, you see yourself writing and then like a, a couple minutes later, it's not right away but later on all of a sudden you get to that bit again you're like oh i remember i guess remember the, i just watched him write it it, it is kind of cool yeah yeah thank you that was all that was listen i knew it could fail miserably or it was just something i wanted to do and people are responding so luckily bill burr was like a fan of it and he was like yo mike I, we'll put this on all things comedy network and he got behind it and it's doing really well and people are responding to it so that's all you can hope for i i wanted to try something different because I remember Chris Rock saying, like, everybody's got a stand-up special. Nothing special. Make a special special. <clears throat> and I and was you like, did. Because you know what's cool, too, about it? Is, you know, a lot of people, uh, they'll tell you, the other comedians will be like, oh, I give Netflix, uh, when I watch comedy on Netflix, I give it 10 minutes. I give the guy 10 minutes before I, I either stay on it or turn it off or whatever. For something like this, you want to see how it ends. You, you kind of want to see how the, the little, uh, the storyline ends too. So you, you, you know, you watch it from start to finish, no matter what. Um, but yeah, that's what I said. I mean, kudos to your writing, the hilarious stuff. Uh, and even the way it's shot, the vignettes, the, like the, the video, the. Yeah. That was Kevin Connolly. He directed those parts. Oh, did he? Oh yeah. That was good. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. He moves fast. He talks fast. It did feel like Entourage vibe. Maybe that's why, because he he had his hands on it. That was good. Yeah, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate that, Don. It feels good. You know, you bust your ass to do something and you put it out. And that's the beauty of comedians. You know, we just, you know, we're, it's the most gangster art form there is. When you fail, you fail hard. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> you know? it's all you. Yeah, man. It's not easy, bro. It's, you know, like I, I, I used to do stand up. But like a long time ago and and i had a you know just wasn't do, doing good kept bombing and it just took it out of me i mean maybe i'll go up again one day one of these days because <laughs> hearing stories like this inspire me man at least you gave it a shot bro you know how many people are talking i got friends that are still talking about getting up and doing five minutes they've been talking about for 10 years you know <laughs> scariest thing in the world so you you got up and if, if it's not for you like the lights you know it's a real it's a life. It's a lifestyle, you know? Yes, indeed, man. Yeah. So well, how was that? Yes, sir. I appreciate you taking the time, Mike, man. Uh, can you just tell the people where they could find you and find your movies and follow you and all that good stuff? Definitely. So you can find me at, uh, at the real Mike young is my Instagram. And then you can find who the F is Mike young on all things comedies, YouTube channel. That's Bill Burr's network. Who the F is Mike young. Just Google it. You find it. And then my movie, A Stand-Up Guy, and My Man is a Loser are both right now streaming on Amazon Prime. And uh, I did a movie, I wrote a movie, I didn't direct it, but I wrote something called Adam with Aaron Paul, and that's also on Amazon Prime. So we'll just throw that in on the side. Cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Mike, much appreciated, my friend. Thanks again for everything. Thank Keep you. on doing what you're doing, man. You rock. Appreciate you big time, Don. Thanks, bro. Don't, if the police come knocking, you don't know where I'm at. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> you got it, man. Take care. Mike yeah. Young, everybody. <laughs> yeah.